wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kick every one of their asses. North South Connection. Welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast, episode eighty-seven. According to my notes, um, go home episode to Vengeance two thousand three. We are deep halfway through two thousand three. Um, how glorious it is, Logan! Um, thanks for joining me again. Um, are you excited? We're we're in uh, the city of Angels, Los Angeles, for this uh, this week. Are you excited? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've been building to this uh, big Los Angeles uh, Raw here for a while, so I guess we'll see if it lives up to the hype that they've obviously put behind it. So um, definitely looking forward to that, and obviously we're right on the front uh, front doorstep of Vengeance, so uh, definitely looking forward to checking that out next episode, but we'll see what happens on SmackDown before we get there. Right, we built this Raw up. We, got, uh, we, have, uh, we ha- were promised a Linda McMahon appearance, which is always exciting. Uh See if Stone Cold's going to be fired. We have Kane, uh, who lit JR on fire. So we have that cooking. No pun intended. I really didn't mean to say that. It's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, and then we got, you know, the other cavalcade of bullshit that we get on Raw. And uh, SmackDown, we, of course, have uh, the triple threat going into the title match. And uh, we have to assemble a bunch of other random show on the bottom of the card. So we'll see how that plays out. But, uh yeah, that's all I got. Uh, if you're ready to dive in, we can dive right in. Because I don't have any news for this one. This is the last few. We haven't had a ton of goings on, uh, really. Like, nothing to, um, no big deaths that I can remember uh, in our timeline. So that's a good thing, I guess. And uh, mm-hmm. no real major. I think I've got, like, maybe one thing in here. Uh, but I've been kind of throwing some of them in throughout the show, if they're relevant to what's actually happening on the show. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot. It is kind of like the summer, not, you know, somewhat of a downtime usually on the big happenings. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. Yeah, we can get right into it. All right. So I will pose this question to you as I was watching these. I was, as we get into this July 21st, 2003 Raw live from the Staples Center, I was wondering, like, who is the top face on Raw? How about that? That could be our... Um, our introductory question here, Logan. I was thinking, who is supposed to be the top face? Obviously, Triple H is our top heel. So, like, would the top face be Stone Cold? Is he our our biggest face? Like, it, 
RVD? Like, who is who are we supposed to be rooting for on Raw here? Yeah, I mean, I guess just based on television time, it's got to be. I mean, it's got to be Stone Cold. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, far as wrestler wise, yeah, RVD and Sean have to be your mm-hmm. top top two from what we've seen over the last few months or few weeks at least. Um, obviously, I think we'll get into somebody tonight that may emerge into mm-hmm. that role. But uh, from what we've seen over the last three or four weeks, I mean, Sean, I, I don't even think Sean's been on too much, too, too much. But yeah, mm-hmm. RVD, Sean. Uh, but I mean, as far as like a character, yeah, Stone Cold for sure. Right. Which, of course, is an interesting pick because he doesn't wrestle. <laughs> so <laughs> and he, he can't, is the, so. <laughs> Right, he's a as you pointed out, he's a code Jim, as he says. Yeah, he's a code Jim, yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just something I was thinking about this, and I, I wonder if it's part of sort of the why Raw has not been, you know, struggles to hook you because you don't really have a hero to root for per se as you're watching these shows. And I think part of it too is that knowing that they kind of had sort of a, not want to say a month off, but they, you, they know they had a while before the next big show in SummerSlam, given that this is going to be a SmackDown exclusive. They haven't really set anybody up for Triple H. Triple H has been sort of in a holding pattern, which I don't think has been a bad thing. He's been a little bit more low key. I don't think it hurt these last few weeks to have him be a little bit on the back burner just because he has been sort of overexposed in this run. So I think it's been good for him to kind of just lay in the back and let Randy Orton kind of be the, the, you know, the person in evolution being pushed the most. But as you mentioned, that will change tonight as they do have to turn the SummerSlam as um, it is about a month away. So just a, something I was thinking about as we got to this. But uh, yeah, he's been doing right. a good job mm-hmm. of building up Randy, like kind of like you said, like Randy's kind of been the focus of evolution. So it's, he's been a, good being the, mm-hmm. you know, tag team partner, the manager, the, you know, just kind of the hype man for him so uh, and that even continues tonight as well so but we'll like you said we'll get into it all right so let's get this started we have uh eric bischoff comes out to start the show he's dressed very formally i guess to impress uh management to impress linda linda comes out to some ridiculous techno music she did not get the uh she did not get the wrestlemania like uh what is it wrestlemania the album music like which Mm -hmm. was one of my favorites as a kid Mm -hmm. uh but instead, she just gets this like absurd techno music. I don't even know how to describe it, but you should really go and seek this out. Watch the beginning of this episode of Raw so you can hear this um, stupid. It's like um, it is insane. It, yeah. it sounded like a Believe by Cher, but like a weird Great Value version. Okay, I have to pose a question: Is this mm-hmm. more absurd than the dubstep song that uh, Drago got on our last Lincoln at Bluejays? Oh. <laughs> Equally, I think, for different reasons, like different flavors of absurd. Uh, um, Linda always gets me because they try and give us energetic music, and she is the opposite of energetic. It is like oh, the yeah. most, uh-huh. the most bland, milk toast, uh, like anti charisma that she has. Uh, and so, another thing that's because obviously the whole idea she's coming out is that is Austin going to get fired, et cetera, et cetera. But I love the absurdity of this, like. So, um, like Austin's in danger of being fired for getting Kane mad enough to go insane, but in no way are they considering firing Kane who lit a man on fire. Like, what is the, like, what is the corporate, like, what is, I need to see HR's like bylaws here. Cause 
you know, poor Stone Cold is, you know, his head's on the chopping block, but Kane lit a coworker on fire and he's, you know, no big deal. We'll get to how they explain that away, which is uh, stupid, but um, even worse. Yes. Anyway, Linda says that Eric is wrong about this, that Stone Cold is not responsible for Kane. Kane is responsible for his own actions, Eric. Uh, he has to undergo, uh, Kane has to undergo intensive psychological evaluation. Um, he will be placed on house arrest, but house arrest doesn't stop him from working. Um, just so that that's how they're explaining this. Kane is on house arrest, but you know, he can work. House and arrest it, works. <laughs> right. And his job involves flying around the country. So apparently he's traveling by plane and not sure why he got house arrest for <laughs> lighting a man on fire. I think that's attempted murder. <laughs> But whatever, like, and also it's like, well, we got to let him work. It's like, I'm pretty sure you would could, you know, terminate his contract for <laughs> trying to kill a man, but whatever. Uh, He's we'll traveling the country it. via paddy wagon. Right. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll chalk it up to wrestling logic, but uh, Eric tries to pivot away from this and goes back to the Stone Cold topic. And speaking of, here Stone Cold is uh, coming out. He says he's not apologizing. He's going to beat Kane's ass either way for what he did to, um, to uh, JR, Linda cuts him off and says, um, you know, Stone Cold, you're uh, you're welcome to defend yourself, but you can't just go putting your hands on all the WWE superstars. <laughs> um, and so basically she gives him ultimatum. If he wants to keep his job, uh, he can't put his hands on anyone, anyone unless he is physically provoked. Austin seems very unsure of this. Uh, he doesn't know if he can follow that order so linda says you know what austin i will give you the week off you know you contemplate and think is this something that you'll be able to do so again the absurdity austin can't put his hands on anyone but kane can light people on fire so i guess they're saying like well you're you're, (laughs) yeah like you're you're in management so i guess you have to be held to a higher standard um bischoff gloats uh and as he's gloating she gives him the night off too and so obviously the crowd's excited about that they give him much of shit and austin gives him the um austin doing the austin voice na 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 hey 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 goodbye and so uh, so now we have no gm no gems for the night no co-gems for tonight but um (laughs) So this is like your normal, like WWE management bullshit that like I'm never really that into. Even though I do like yeah. Eric and Stone Cold, it's just them trying to explain all this um, away. I do kind of like that they're gonna let them have the night off, so this doesn't dominate the show. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how it chalked up too. It's just this typical WWE management logic that is absolutely absurd. But I guess it at least pushes along the storyline and uh, lets us know what's gonna be happening with Stone Cold. So. Yeah, that's what we got. Yeah, I'm I'm never a huge fan of these like management little little speak speaks in the in the uh, in the uh, in the ring that they do sometimes to you know you're not suspended but you you can't do this and can't do that just all that kind of stuff so that does get kind of tedious sometimes um, but yeah I, I did point out to you that uh, you know Austin says co GM about 500 times in these in this like, <laughs> 10 to 15 minutes that they're in the ring. But every time he does, he doesn't quite say he doesn't enunciate the J- GM part. So he just start, starts saying co Jim, I'm the co Jim of Raw. So he <laughs> it, it bothered the shit out of me for some reason. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I 
I, I do like that they kind of gave him the night off, kind of like you said, to kind of keep them out of the out of the picture the rest of the night. Um, they took up this early part of the show, so it it kind of keeps them out the rest of the night. They do pop back up one more time, but it's real real quick. Um, and that you can't go around hitting all the WWE <laughs> superstars is part of the uh, kind of the build to that the the Survivor Series match that they'll eventually have. And I had that on tape growing up, so that that Linda line has always stuck in my head for some reason because it's <laughs> a big part of the promo package for that match. So, um, but yeah, when, when she said that it popped me a, a good bit, but yeah, not, not the worst segment, but like I said, like I said, you know, it, it, it was, it was a tad long and these things can be a little tedious sometimes, but uh, I do like that. They kind of wrote them off for the rest of the night. Yeah. And I'm always like, kind of, like so good, so bad it's good of Linda. Her like anti charisma yes. and uh, like presence is just always kind of entertaining to me. Like she always just seems so out of place in this world. Like, mm. uh, like someone just dropped her in here. But all right, so we'll see how that plays out. So really, we'll focus on Kane as the the managers are going to be off for the night. But we go to our first match of the night. It's going to be a um, a women's tag match. We're going to have Trish and our champion Gail Kim versus Victoria Molly. Um, we get a little cameo from the mullets, uh, Logan, a new oh, show that's going to be premiering on UPN that I'm sure everyone remembers that I think went all of like seven. I looked it up. I think it had 10 episodes, but three did not air, which means it was canceled midseason. Um, and I think they actually had an episode where uh, like there was a lot of tie in with WWE. Like I think that whole episode where they like went to SmackDown or something. And I think it was like even part of the characters from what I've read. They were like uh, wrestling fans. Wow. So, you know portraying uh the mullets as wrestling fans but uh big throwback here again i don't think anyone wonder if the mullets are streaming anywhere i'm gonna go with probably <laughs> no. uh as as most great things i'm sure it's not but um yeah i don't remember the mullets at all but I, i'm glad somebody did so uh, i i appreciate that you remember that uh for for its little run <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this will be the beginning of like coach really struggling with this throughout the night, but like, so he's talking, it's like coach is not at the point where he can like change his tone really. So like, no matter what he's talking about, he just always talks and like announcer speak. So he's talking about JR being lit on fire and he kind of like, I think it's just like him, like his cadence that he's used to right now is like, he'll kind of like laugh in between what he's saying. And so he's talking about JR getting lit on fire because and then he got lit on fire King, huh? And King is like, why are you laughing about this? This is like, <laughs> he, you, you he doesn't let him get away with it. <laughs> right. Like a poor coach is like not experienced enough to, I mean, and it's all in them for putting him out here. You know, he's just not, yeah. he doesn't know how to like change his tone or emotion. So yeah. And King just shits all over me. He's like, that's my best friend. And you're like, and they get, I don't know if it was here, Matt, we'll get to it later, but him not even knowing where JR supposed to be, but it was, it was awkward. You could tell he was sweating. King was not letting them get away with it. But, uh, the, uh, the match itself is a pretty straightforward tag. Um, a couple highlights. I like Victoria's slingshot, uh, leg drop. That was pretty cool. Um, you see a lot of Gail's inexperience in this. Like, uh, she goes at one point to like do a rope run and she just kind of slips on the middle rope. So that was a little rough. Um, but uh, they kind of just go back and forth a while. The finish is Gail accidentally hit with the uh, the chick kick by Trish, and then she ends up eating the pen. Uh, yeah, not a super terrible match or anything. I ended up going like gentlemen's two on it. Um, but Gail did look a little rough. It's been a rough start for her. She has not been super impressive in this. She doesn't really have a character. She's not super over. 
And then right here, she gets pinned. I don't know if maybe they're trying to build something with her and Trish, like a miscommunicating partners that end up pissed at each other, but end up going two on this one. Yeah, I just went one and a half. I like, I really like, like that uh, slingshot uh, leg drop that you talked about. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I, like you said, I, I agree. It was kind of a rough showing for Gail. Kind of showed her greenness, uh, like you said. She almost like uh, takes off on a crossbody a little too early too, but she kind of catches herself. But you could tell that she uh, wasn't really sure of herself in that that moment either. But yeah, she definitely uh, slips and has to uh, uh, adjust uh, on that little like rope run arm drag that she was trying to do. Um, I thought, you know, Victoria and Molly had a lot of stiff strikes throughout the match. So I, I like that as well. Um, Gail does hit a pretty nice spear at one point. I thought that was pretty good. Um, and I, I thought the finish was good enough to like imply that maybe we get a Trish Gale match down the road. Uh, so that could be something to look forward to, but yeah, not, not the best showing by, uh, Gail here as she was kind of the focus of the match. So there's that. Yeah, and they don't do a whole lot post-match or anything. They kind of get in and get out pretty quickly. Exactly. As they do with these women's matches a lot. <laughs> um, our poll of the night is, is should JR press charges against King for um, setting him ablaze? Um, and again, yes, we get back to it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Coach unable to show emotion here. Like here he says something about JR. JR's recovering at home at this time, and King gets mad and says, he's not at home, he's at the hospital. So I wonder if, like, that was what he was supposed to say, and, like, he forgot, so King calls him out on it, or is this just King trolling him, like, to fuck with him? I don't know, but I would not have wanted to be in a coach's headset <laughs> tonight because mm, I have a I, feeling he was getting his ass chewed. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling King was just fucking with him, but who knows? Yeah, he's like, uh, what do you mean he's in the hospital? And then, like, this will continue throughout the entire night of him yeah. constantly, like, because Coach, it's like, he gets Coach flustered, and then Coach still can't decide, like, throughout the night, because he keeps going back and forth between hospital and, and at home. And then I wonder if he got in trouble for saying hospital, because you're supposed to say local metal, medical facility. But, uh, that's correct, why, yeah. But also, why would it be local? Because why would he fly to the L.A. hospital? I don't know. But rough night for Coach. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. All right. Uh, Austin and Eric get into a backstage and get into a, uh, an argument about Linda. Uh, Austin takes a dig at WCW to say that Eric is a terrible manager. And uh, pretty much the whole point of this is that tensions are high between these two, as if we wouldn't have known that. Mm-hmm. And it was totally yeah. all his fault that WCW fell apart. So, Absolutely. <laughs> Austin never forgave him for that. FedEx. Yep. Fire me out of the mail, you dumb bastard. How dare you? Um, All right, so next up, we get an Evolution in-ring promo, and this is the debut of the Motorhead version of the Evolution song. Thankfully. Thankfully. Thank you. (laughs) uh, Which is awesome. Um, uh, Orton grabs the mic here, so like we said earlier, kind of like he's been the focus of the stable lately with Triple H not really having a challenger. He says that uh, Foley said he hasn't beaten anyone, but he said he sure beat Foley when he threw him down the stairs. Um, he mocks him for writing uh, writing books, which is a good uh, – he's a real good he- uh, heel douche at this point, even as young as he is. Uh, he's he's – he's pretty good on the mic. Like, he's solid. His delivery is good. He doesn't, he doesn't flub his lines or anything. Uh, he puts himself over for pinning all three of the Dudleys, and then – he dubs himself uh, the legend killer. But uh, yeah, again, I, I thought the Orton promo was really good. Um, I thought he was pretty good on the mic, all things considered. So uh, I thought it was a solid promo. Like the 
debuted the Motorhead song, and uh, they look good. I mean, you know, whatever about Triple H, but I think this is a solid, well-put-together stable with, like, a clear, like, hierarchy and a clear, like, gimmick to it. And I, I haven't hated the Evolution thing so far. Yeah, I've enjoyed it as well, and thank God for the Motorhead version of the theme, uh, finally. Uh, glad to see that. Uh, finally come in and yeah orton sounded super good in his promo um definitely got across his message uh obviously still implying that uh foley uh is somebody in his mind that uh we may see again that he may face down the road so uh always keeping that little bit uh hanging out there um but yeah i mean i, I think you know him being a face when he first came in probably was the wrong move because i think he's just really just a prick at this point <laughs> um i think that's just who he is as a human being so it really worked it really worked for his character at this point because you know that's just i think that's just kind of who he was right and i think in you know in the modern era it's a lot in this era between the attitude era and leading in this like maybe back in the day you could have come in as like a second generation or third generation or whatever superstar and people would have been into that mm-hmm. but people are kind of anti that as you saw like when rock debuted so this is usually the better way to go in this, you know, more modern era because the people naturally want to boo you because they're going to see you as like, you know, you're given your spot because, you know, nepotism or whatever it may be. So I think it works out a lot better for him to be this cocky, like little shit. Um, and then people can believe, you know, he only got this spot because of his daddy and that sort of thing. So it works out well. But his opponent of the night is going to be old Val Venus. Uh, Triple H is going to sit in on commentary. He makes fun of JR. I think he made some comment about, um, I don't know if he made a barbecue sauce joke. It was some along the lines of something about barbecue or him uh, sizzling or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy gets worked over early. Uh, really, Val took the most of this match, like really most of the early going. A blue thunderbomb Logan out of nowhere kind of surprised me from Val, like just pulled that one out. So uh um they started to get into a discussion on commentary about Triple H's next opponent. Um he says he'll choose his next opponent. Um he gets a little nervous on that blue thunderbomb as it gets a pretty good near fall on Orton, but uh Randy is able to recover. He avoids the money shot and then lands the RKO and uh keeps the Randy train rolling. So I went start and a half, totally fine. Basically, just another match to put uh, Orton over over like a named guy. So with that, it was effective, and we'll get to the post match after. But any thoughts on this uh, pretty straightforward match? Yeah, I went star and a half as well. I, I Orton's a very good seller. I won't deny that. And I, you know, I think in in most cases the heel kind of does uh, sell in this situation. But um, mm-hmm. with somebody like Venus, I don't know that he should be getting outworked by him mm-hmm. uh especially with as short as the match ended up being randy could have dominated and you know had let venus get some hope spots towards the end and then you know pull out the rko at the end and win but um that, that that's just a little minor thing I, I just don't think he should have been worked over as easily and as mm-hmm. much by by this guy uh that hasn't been taken seriously in a long time so um, but yeah, it, it, it was effective in its way uh, uh, of getting Orton over at the same time because he does sneak out the win and he does look cunning and in, in doing it. So um, yeah, one and a half. Yeah, they're kind of still presenting him as almost like he's very talented, but he can't quite like he's not dominant. He needs like a little bit of chicanery or the yeah. help of the other evolution guys or kind of that thing. Like working him as sort of a not quite a chicken shit heel, but like not a dominant heel either 
Um, but all right, so Triple H gets on the mic to talk some shit and put Evolution over. They have their shirt that says uh, "Paid, Made, and Laid." Mm-hmm. Um, but before he can get too much into it, he is interrupted by some pyro and Goldberg's music. Uh, Goldberg comes out and says uh, that Triple H is next. I, I think he said some other line that was kind of corny that I didn't take down. It was um, uh, like it was like you're next on the menu or some shit like that. I don't remember <laughs> what it was, but um, I know but, Triple uh, H says come- something about being unstoppable, and I, I think. Uh, I think Goldberg says like you're not you don't look like you're too hard to stop like uh, stop by my, my my account or whatever something like that and then he says he's next of course right but he did keep it brief he didn't yeah talk too much evolution want no part of him so they kind of scurry and uh pretty much insinuating at this point and I believe um from what I read they would have a um a press conference the next day to officially announce this for SummerSlam. So, um, you could cut, it's certainly implied by this and you knew that they were probably going to eventually get to this feud at some point. So kind of like sets us up, but it was to the point, um, no issue. Didn't get too long winded with it. Knowing that we still have a month to build this. I thought it was a perfectly fine, if not like super eventful way to, to show this. It, it kind of gets a little bit like throughout the, everything that happens on this show, it seems like almost like a blip weirdly enough. Yeah, 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 it's kind of kind of glossed over, and they don't really come back to it. But um, I, I think it was just kind of to show that mm-hmm. that they were they were in each other's uh, you know eyesight, and they, they they wanted they wanted to imply that this match was going to happen sooner rather than later. But they, they do they do the awkward uh, Triple H face off thing where they like squish noses into each other, <laughs> uh, and they get way too close on the face off. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I, that was big a big Triple H thing during this period. He got real face to face with everybody, so um, must have been a thing he was into. Of <laughs> course, yeah, and so this, of course, will be an interesting feud. The track, kind of an infamous one, um, mm. but it'll, it'll be you know I know everybody remembers the broad strokes, but as always with this, it'll be cool to see uh, like the week to week, like how it kind of plays out week to week mm. and how it's executed. Um, but we'll kind of go to our sort of mid-show main event here, and this is one they've been building for a couple weeks. It's the big rematch from WrestleMania. It will be HBK versus Chris Jericho. Um, this is the one where I messaged you because I don't know what was up with Sean. I don't. It almost looked like his shoulders were covered in tiny moles. I don't know what <laughs> sunspots or something. I don't know if he it was the tanning bed, if he hit a little too hard, or I was hallucinating. But I don't know. He's he was covered in tiny dots. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't know that I super know I, I think I saw something that I thought looked weird but I, I don't think me and you saw the same thing so um, that may maybe maybe we were both hallucinating but uh, who knows <laughs> maybe it was the mushrooms I talk anyway yeah, uh, yeah, very exactly. <laughs> very technical start with with this like they do a lot of headlock exchanges kind of trading pin reversals it, and the whole match is extremely I don't say the whole match is technical but it's very technically sound. Like everything exactly. they're doing is executed extremely well. Jericho slowly starts to gain the advantage. Uh, he takes a wicked bump uh, to the outside. Like he tries to jump on Sean. Sean just dumps him and he just splatters all over the outside. So that was really um, a really nice bump. Like I said, everything is well done and crisp between these two. Um, Flair is out there for whatever reason. He starts getting some cheap shots. Uh, Sean starts getting worked over again. And of course they go with the tried and true psychology of HBK at this point where you work over the back 
So we have Jericho ramming his back into the post and whatnot. Um, as always, one of my favorite things and why Sean's one of my favorites is uh, I feel like his hope spots are really well done. He almost has a like Ricky Morton kind of deal where he just seems to always have this innate like timing and win the work in a hope spot just to keep the crowd. Like he never lets the heel go too long to where everybody just checks out. Like he always gets a, a nice little spot here and there just to keep you hooked into the match. Uh, the counters in this, I thought were really well, like, um, there's a, like at one point Jericho pulls out like a Northern lights as a counter, like out of nowhere that I thought looked really great. Um, and I was thinking, you know, NXT Logan, I, you know, obviously everybody talks about HBK is running NXT now, but I felt like you could see in a good way, I know it's not everyone, but for me in this match, I was seeing like, I could see like the modern NXT style in this sort of match, like, mm-hmm. like the tech, you know, how, how well executed everything is. And some would say maybe it seems all choreographed. I don't know, but very technically sound and everything kind of flows together. Like they start with sort of the technical back and forth and they kind of work in the high spots. Sean hits the top rope elbow. He starts tuning up the band. Um, but uh, Jericho sneaks a low blow. He goes for the chair. Um, but as the ref is distracted by Flair, uh, Sean gets the sweet chin music into the chair. But the, it's kind of like a double knockout because Sean is spent. Flair ends up pulling the ref before um, he can get the pin. Orton runs in and hits the RKO on HBK. Um, you're thinking that's probably going to be it. But Sean kicks out of that to a pretty big pop. It was a nice near fall. You kind of thought that would be the finish. But Jericho goes into the walls. Sean's locked in the walls for quite a while but then it finally ends up tapping because he cannot escape. So, um, you know, very good technical match. Like I said, I didn't think on the level of the 19 match, like it never got to that point. Yeah. But these two obviously have great chemistry. Um, the match flowed extremely well. It reminded me, um, like on wrestling war zone, they just discussed like Owen and bulldog. It kind of had that sort of energy. And I know they had their critiques of that match too. And I could see maybe you would see that in this sort of match, but I'm a, in a positive way. This kind of had that Owen Bulldog, like just the way everything is so slick and flows so well in this. And it kind of, um, and I'm guessing this maybe starts to lead us on the road to Orton versus HBK. I thought maybe that was the, really the main goal of this match by the end. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, I went three and a half on it. I think it was a really good match, a great TV match. One that we don't usually get on raw because they usually don't give anything this much time. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I was I was very uh, very stunned that they gave this as much time as they did, but I'm glad that they did. Like you said, it was a really great match. Um, they gave them plenty of time, and they definitely cooked uh, in there, and definitely uh, were hitting on all cylinders for sure. Um, Evolution and getting involved, like you said, clearly shows Sean will deal with them going forward, whether it's Triple H, whether it's Flair, whether it's Orton. Orton, I think, is probably the money match just to kind of put the veteran with the new guy, see what Orton can kind of do with with a guy like Sean in there. Um, I'm I'm kind of shocked Sean tapped. Um, I I think he's one of those guys that can get away with that and not look Mm -hmm. too weak in doing so because they did have a long match and the work back was work throughout the match, so that didn't didn't uh, take away from him or anything. So I, I think he's a guy that can get away with it from it away with it. But I, I was shocked at the same time that he did tap. Um, my favorite thing in the whole match is flair comes out. Sean immediately slides out of the ring and decks him and flair <laughs> sells it. Like he just got shot by a gun. <laughs> so, 
I, I love I love that little spot. But yeah, these two guys just have a ton of chemistry. I love the point that you made about the NXT style. I could definitely see uh, thinking back. I could definitely see what you're talking about, like how the modern style is. Uh, you know, with Sean being the, being the uh, head guy in NXT, uh, I could definitely see where you're coming from with that. So. Uh, I, I like that point a lot, uh, but yeah, just a really good match. Probably one of the better TV matches we've seen over the last uh, little while, for sure. I, I think, I think honestly, we've seen quite a few really good matches lately, but this is definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Didn't have the maybe didn't have the the gravity or kicked it up to that final gear like the nineteen match, but certainly better than about ninety percent of what you're going to get on Raw. And and I kind of liked Orton. I think that's a logical. Especially since he just dubbed himself the Legend Killer, and you're thinking Foley, that may be more down the line. Like Foley's probably not going to be around anytime soon. That may be something for a later day. So, um, could be a definitely good start to uh, the Legend Killer deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they just want to kind of keep Foley in your mind, mm-hmm. but he's definitely he's definitely you know getting ready for a match. I feel like maybe he needed to train and get back in ring shape for that kind of stuff. But yeah, Sean seems like a good immediate program for him. All right. So speaking of legends, Lance Storm comes out after that to uh, cool things off uh, and read his statement of the week. Um, this week he's talking about um, since they're in Hollywood, um, that talent agents and officials should be watching him. Um, and he specifically speaks to Rob Reiner, who's in the crowd. So pretty random. I guess Rob Reiner's a big wrestling fan. Um, he, he then it's funny cause they, um, they, uh, cut to the backstage, but like he starts to go and this is like, do not hire Brad Pitt or these other actors when you could get me <laughs> like, and then they kind of cut him off to go backstage and we see that, uh, Kane is being brought in and shackled. So more and more moving into like a horror villain territory for Kane here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes in with the uh, the shackles and and the, and the cuffs led in by an army of policemen that somehow um, somehow vanished later. Uh, as we <laughs> talk about, but um, yeah, 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 he he is he is uh he he definitely looks like an absolute monster coming into the uh, arena for sure from his house I arrest. <laughs> I think if you have to be shackled, they usually don't do house arrests if you're that dangerous mm-hmm. or you need shackles and multiple marshals with you. I think. Uh, they probably would do more than the ankle bracelet, but yes, who am I to say? His house arrest where he's able to travel the country in a car where, wherever he wants to go. <laughs> Simultaneously shackled like a, a murderer. Anyway, uh, we get some clips of the superstars hanging out with the troops, kind of standard WWE package there. And then we go to Booker T is finally going to be facing someone besides Christian, even though Christian is watching uh, backstage, as we'll see. Um, but he's going to be facing Test. This not a whole lot to this match. Uh, Test does his normal Test stuff. This corner clothesline, sidewalk slam. Booker T does his little flurries as always with his chops and the kicks. Honestly, it ends up being more about Scott Steiner and Test as um, during the match. Test mocks Scott Steiner doing the push-ups, and then later on, Steiner comes down at the top of the ramp, puts a chair out, and then Stacy comes out and gives him a um, a lap dance, and this is just too much for Tess to handle. He cannot focus on the match at all. Booker rolls him up. He actually kicks out of the the, um, the roll-up, but then Booker hits the bookend, and that's it. Booker picks up the win. So uh, I want to start in half on this. Um, kind of a bummer that finally Booker T's moving on, and he kind of ends up just being the a third wheel for this, you know, continuing Steiner test stuff. Like, not the most, didn't put the most shine on him, given he's the IC champion. So that was a bit of a bummer. 
Yeah, I went star and a half as well. Booker comes in hot with some big chops and kicks, like you said. Um, I, I thought the match was solid enough, but I, I was just really, like you said, glad to see Booker not face Christian for once. So uh, I was definitely excited to that. But Tess was, I, I think, good enough in his role. But obviously with Steiner and Stacy coming out with their shenanigans and Christian watching uh, from the back obviously implies that both of those feuds will continue, which is something that, I don't think either of us want to see anymore because uh, the st- the test Steiner things were going on since Mania, pretty much I think, or a little mm-hmm. bit after Mania. So that's been going on for a while. And then obviously we've we've chronicled the uh, uh, Booker T Christian feud for for a while now. But uh, like like I told you in our chats, it is not over. So we'll see it. Uh, we'll see more going forward. Yeah, certainly not an IC title showcase match here on Raw by mm-hmm. any stretch. For sure. No. All right, before we get to our main event, we go to uh, the Hurricane, who was talking with Rosie, and he says, um, <laughs> he's talking about uh, Kane, and he said, he took off his mask, he set jail on fire. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, he calls Rosie a uh, young Roosevelt, and then he says that he's a superhero in training, um, of course, which spells shit, S-H-I-T, which Goldust comes out and uh, makes it very clear, and then does the stuttering. And uh, says that means you're the shit. Shit, 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 shit. So the first beginning of the superhero in training, the origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he tells he tells him he looks like a superhero in training, which I, I wonder wonder what <laughs> that, that he had in that scenario made him look like that. But I'll, I'll take your word for it, Hurricane. <laughs> yeah, there's like look, just get to it. Um, which oh. this will end up being pretty fun if I remember, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of a. Just kind of whatever start to it. Mm-hmm, exactly. All right. Here's uh, so we get to our main event, or what's supposed to be our main event, which is going to be Kane versus RVD. Um, the uh, <laughs> they show this long recap package of the whole Kane saga, but they do. It was almost like an Ultimo Dragons theme. Oh yeah. <laughs> theme music I where whatever <laughs> whatever Kane takes off the mask. In this like recap package, they played the pterodactyl like sound, <laughs> like he's a monster. <laughs> it was so stupid. Oh god, I, I don't know. Thought of you when I heard that. Fucking public domain Green Ranger <laughs> from Power Rangers sound. <laughs> <laughs> like why would he took off the mask? Uh, because he's um, a monster, this... and that's what a monster sounds like. Jake, yeah, they sound like a <laughs> dinosaur. Um, but this is a big moment because this is Kane's first actual sanctioned match, or supposed to be, since you know his uh, unmasking. Uh, RVD sprints down to the ring. He bum rushes Kane. Um, they fight onto the outside. Kane starts to take over and drops on the steps. They brawl their way up the ramp. Um, things are kind of getting out of control. They take uh, Kane uppercuts the ref and takes him out. And we see his plan is to choke slam RVD off the stage. RVD fights back. Um, we get the cavalry out here. So we have Art Anderson and Johnny Ace to try and uh, get everything under control. Kane levels them, just lays out Johnny Ace and Arn. Uh, he throws <laughs> RVD into the Tron and the light blows like, you know, in their normal gimmicked way where it's like a bunch of sparks fly out. And um, Linda comes out. And as you said, Logan, uh, the horde of police officers that were here earlier have just apparently as soon as he got to the like, well, I guess he's good now. <laughs> no reason. To, what could possibly go wrong? Just let this psychopath out of the chains and uh, like we're off for the night. We're clocking out. 
Yeah, they went so, to go have donuts before they took took off for their shift. Yeah. So. Yeah, they unshackled and be like, well, that's it for us. Uh, this is your problem now, Linda. So Linda thinks she's going to stop him. Uh, he grabs her. Of all people, King comes down to save the day, uh, but Kane clears everyone out and tombstones Linda and a very protected. Um, this was like a, uh, um, you know, Bad Blood 97 style tombstone yeah. where her head is about four feet above the, <laughs> above the, uh, the metal, but I mean, yeah, so he goes down to his knees in slow motion. So, <laughs> um, but it, they kind of have some blood on Linda, like not bleeding from the head or anything, but like some blood capsules or something by her neck where there's like some smears of blood. Um, and then we kind of leave in a, uh, we actually, I think coach came over and he was like, uh, he's like, and they're asking, well, Arn gets up and he's like, asking coach, what happened? What happened? He's like, I don't know. He tombs under, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know Kane, kind of, tri- or, uh, Kane, King tries to come over and save her, but it doesn't work. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah. I, I wondered if I wondered mm-hmm. if the blood was from the choke slam and he like scratched her accidentally or something, uh, and it was like shoot blood or something. But I, I don't know. Fragile uh, skin. <laughs> it, I mean, would you, would it surprise you with her? <laughs> right. um, but yeah, very predicted tombstone. But yeah, the brawl was really good. I, I thought. <laughs> Um, I thought the I thought the brawl between RVD and Kane to that point. Uh, I love seeing them deck uh, Arn and Johnny Ace, of course. But um, yeah, just to put over Kane as a monster. But like, where are the cops? There were like eight of them earlier. Mm-hmm. Where are any of them? Like two, just two. Like like you don't have to bring all eight back out, but just get two or three out there to you know shackle them back up or whatever. Like, what's going on? Right. Um, yeah, I do kind of like, I would maybe like if he had a little bit more change in his entering style because he is still sort of wrestling like the same cane, but he's obviously more sinister at what he's trying to get to. I kind of like if when he was out there wrestling at the beginning, it was a little bit more than his normal. I see it a little more urgency, but maybe a little bit more, but I, I did enjoy the brawl here with that. I do. And like overall, like it, there's some hokey parts of this, obviously with Kane and we'll see where it goes, but I still think so far it's been mostly effective because I feel like they at least like compared to a lot of the raws we've seen throughout Oh three, they at least have like a hook here. Like mm-hmm. at least it's like, well, I guess I'll see what, crazy shit Kane's going to do. Like, where are they going to take this next? Like what's going to be his next victim or, you know, what are they going to pull out next? Which again, we'll see where it goes, but it's at least something, which there's been a lot of raws in 2003 where there's nothing. There's not any something to to look forward to. So at least it's like a hook to make the show interesting. I don't know about it being your, you know, central focus of the show. I don't know how long you can keep that up before it gets kind of played out. Um, so maybe that'll change, but so far I think it's been mostly a net positive. It's added at least a little bit of juice to raw, which was yeah, a low it, bar admittedly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it has, you wanted to come back to see what was, what he's, what crazy thing he's going to do next. So, um, that there is definitely that. So we, we got a, at least a good, uh, a good moment and a good little brawl to end, end the show. And we got a good match earlier in the show. So definitely, definitely a better raw than we've seen a lot of the time lately. We had a good one a few weeks ago, I think, but, uh, obviously, um, it hadn't been consistently great, uh, for a while if, if ever, uh, since at least I came back on. Right. Yeah. I was the same. I would say this is like above batting average for, an 03 raw like i thought the second half maybe dragged a bit like with the test um booker t match and that sort of thing but you know you had some stuff developing like we got to see what's going to happen with stone cold that played out we kind of set up who's going to be 
set up a few that we knew was coming that is going to be big uh, with Triple H and Goldberg. So I felt like things were happening. Um, the Sean HBK, I mean, the Sean Jericho match was good. So things were happening. I think they mostly delivered a, a they delivered a solid base hit on this uh, LA Ross. So I went five out of five. I mean, uh, 5.5, 5, I should say. <laughs> no, 5.5 out of 10. <laughs> Slightly a tick above average. Yeah, I feel like we give a lot of five. I'm going to give it a six because, like like you said, also, uh, Triple H got an opponent. We haven't had an opponent for Triple H for a while now. He's just kind of been playing the background character since uh, since uh, Judgment Day. So, um, But, we'll, you know, like. Or bad blood, whatever the last pay per view was, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he's been kind of trying to play in a background role, and we had the great match and the Kane stuff. So uh, I'll, I'll give it a six. I'll give it a little bump. All right, good Hollywood Raw. We'll see if uh, what SmackDown is to offer. Which this will be a uh, this SmackDown is all over the place. There's a lot going on mm-hmm. in this one. Um, so we'll go to SmackDown. This is their go home show, as they'll have the pay per view. Um, on Sunday, we are live in Fresno, uh, California for this one. So not quite the glitz and glamour of uh, Staples Center here. But uh, uh, Steph opens the show. Uh, there is some crossover that we don't always see on the between SmackDown and Raw. As she kind of mentioned she does acknowledge the Kane stuff and that, um, you know, that what happened to her mother and that her that Vince is not going to be here because uh, he's out taking care of Linda despite fucking Sable on the side. I guess he's still worried about Linda, which is odd. Uh, but she says, Steph says she's not going to let her pers- personal life affect her job because tonight she's taking over. No more handicap matches. This will be um, a true six-man tag tonight. Um, so she sets up, um, um, it'll be world's greatest tag team and Big Show versus Zach Gowan, Brock, and Kurt. Um, for for our six man, we then get John Cena coming out as he's inter- has made a habit of interrupting the McMahon's promos. Um, but this is very uh, flattering of Steph. He says he had a dream about her. It's basically about how horny he is for Stephanie. This whole promo, he's uh, staring at her targets. Uh, he tries to give her twenty dollars to rip Sable's top off at the pay per view because he has a nipple fetish. And then he says he would love to smack Stephanie on the ass. Um, Steph says. Uh, uh, basically, like, do it, I dare you. And so he does. He's very excited. Um, so fun moment for Cena there. And, um, you know, this is their normal, like, getting Stephanie over as, like, a, uh, you know, you know, she's business slogan, but she's also, she's a naughty girl is what they're trying to get across to us, right? Yeah, she's the cool boss. Uh, yeah, she wants to be the, the, the every person's boss. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely a... This is a hilarious segment for me. Uh, I thought Cena played his role really well. And it kind of bleeds into the idea that maybe Cena could be a face one day. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they're, maybe they're trying to play the crowd and see. And they were into it. So uh, Trump maybe trying to play the crowd to see if they, they there was uh, any juice and maybe to turn and Cena heel or face after after mm-hmm. this thing with Taker's over. So, um, but yeah, Steph, you know, acting like the naughty boss uh, is always enjoyable, especially during this era. So, um yeah, good stuff. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you're right. He was a little more face. It, it definitely was more, I mean, obviously more risque than, you know, PG Cena, but yeah, yeah. it was a lot more like cornball face Cena sort of stuff than, <laughs> like, he didn't come out here and, like, trash or anything like he would normally do with anyone else. So that's a good point. I didn't think of it in that way, but it is a lot more, uh, more of a face side to him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so we think Sable's coming out to the ring, but she's actually on the Tron. And uh, we get a replay of the food fight. Um, Sable <laughs> makes fun of Linda, uh, says she'll be taking care of Daddy. Um, Steph is pissed off because obviously Sable edited out the end of it, which where Stephanie took over and beat her ass. The editing on this whole thing was weird, though. Like, not the video, like when they replayed the food fight, but the way like Stephanie and Sable were going back and forth, it made me think like this was not like the Sable thing was not actually like live. Cause it just the way that they were going back and forth so it felt very unnatural. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, whatever Stephanie gets pissed, she starts heading to the back. She's trying to walk as fast as you can in the heels. Uh, without <laughs> busting her ass. Yeah. <laughs> but so she's going to the back to, to presumably beat up Sable. So, she she got knocked off her uh she she was a little unbalanced after she got her ass smacked too so she had to she had to recover from the uh the ass slap as well so um but yeah she was struggling to run there to the back um but she was she was headed to whoop some ass and yeah we got the uh, replay of the uh over overly violent uh food fight that we had last week so mm-hmm. um always good to see that again yeah but pretty, I'd be I think I'd be a little thrown off too because Cena has those like insane like gorilla hands. He has some extremely monstrous hands, <laughs> as uh, we've discussed with Tim Capel before. The uh, Cena, Cena, there's a lot going on. With Cena could be in the body book with how, like, the proportions of his body are just insane. Oh yeah, you know what they say about big hands, right? <laughs> Giant. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go. To our first match tonight is going to be uh, Matt and Shannon Moore. The uh, the reunited uh, the, uh, buddies against Kidman and Ray, who hey, they're going to be uh, fighting for the tag team titles. They haven't really. It's odd because it's it's certainly going to be an awesome match because they're two great teams, but they haven't had a lot of interaction between Kidman and Ray and World's Greatest Tag Team because World's Greatest Tag Team has been doing the main event stuff. So mm-hmm. it's kind of strange. They really haven't had a whole lot to build that directly. So. Yeah. Um, I think I think World Greatest Tag Team has like studied them a couple of times, but other than mm-hmm. that, there really hadn't been. In, and I think they may even do that tonight. But yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's really all the interaction they've really had for sure. Um, maybe this is a Matt fact from the recent Asian tour that we're going to hear about. But uh, Matt is considered sacred in Japan, and he has defeated Kidman and Ray on consecutive pay per views. That's so. correct. Earlier in the year. Uh, really awesome action in this, as you'd expect. Everybody here can go, even Shannon Moore. He can hold his own. Uh, Kidman kind of plays the face in peril. Uh, great bulldog by him to get the hot tag to Ray. Ray is killer as always, like just going balls to the wall with all this. Um, all the cutoffs of everything are super good in this match. Like uh, Ray set up the six one nine, and Matt's in the perfect spot to grab his legs and cut it off. Um, and when they get to the ending, I mean, I'm not trying to say everything they did because it was it was just wild. Uh, the ending stretch, I thought, especially was fantastic. Just all the yeah. big spots are well timed, um, like all the them breaking up the pins at the exact right moment. But then finally, of course, as you'd expect in this, Shannon's going to be the one to take the fall as he ends up beating the six one nine and the shooting star, and they uh, they get the the win. But I didn't call the boost, but uh, just an awesome tune-up for uh, Kidman Array, which would have been an awesome tag team. And like I said, this seems like a definite banger on paper between World's Greatest Tag Team and Array uh, and Kidman. So I went three and a quarter on this. I thought it was an awesome, fast-paced uh, tag match. 
Yeah, I, I went three and a quarter as well. Uh, I, I mentioned in a chat that we have uh, that this is a this is a team that's kind of unheralded that probably doesn't get talked about enough. But I think it's because they really only exist for like this four or five week period. Spoilers. Um, but I, I I think I think they're like they're super consistent on TV. Like even they fought the conquistadors last week and they had a really good match. It was really entertaining for a, a squash, but yeah, they're, they're just an un- incredible team. Kidman and Ray are, um, Hardy's of course, wearing his battle scars from last week. I think they said that, uh, Benoit in fact did break his nose in that match last night's or match last week. I mean, so, uh, he, he has, he has his nose all taped up, uh, from that. um, Mysterio is just so unbelievably quick still at this point. He's still still pretty fit and and pretty he hadn't quite bulked up quite yet, so he's still incredibly quick and just just moves so fast to, uh, across the ring. Like it's not even the moves that he does sometimes, but it's just the way that he moves across or around and across the ring that it, it is super impressive. Um but I, I thought Hardy hit a pretty nice sit-out powerbomb at one point, and like you said, the uh, finishing sequence, the whole thing was just absolutely awesome because Hardy keeps trying to get involved, but uh, eventually they wear down Shannon enough to get the pin. But, yeah, just a really strong uh, tag match, and I'm looking forward to that uh, World's Greatest Tag Team uh, match against Kidman Array at the pay-per-view for sure. Yeah, good stuff as our first uh, match on the show. And we are... Uh... All right, we catch up with Stephanie, who's uh, jumps Sable and slams her into the awaiting limo before she can get away. And of course, Sable's wearing like some, like an outfit made out of fishnets. And uh, Stephanie starts stripping that off. And then she actually strips her top off. We have the black bars uh, to cover them. Uh, lots of Stephanie <laughs> screeching throughout this whole thing. I like the black bars. It's like a throwback. The uh, black bar sensor. It was so tiny too. It was like it was like just <laughs> enough to cover what it needed to cover. Cena was very disappointed that they covered the nipples, given his nipple fetish. Um, she actually goes and gets a lead pipe and is trying to attack the limo at that. But Vince comes out of nowhere, even though we we're told he wasn't going to be here, and stops her. And he says that if she doesn't stop, she's going to um, that she better beat Sable at uh the pay-per-view, but she's probably going to end up just like Linda. So whole, I don't know what to think of Vince and Linda right here. Cause it's like, he's nursing her to health, but then he seems to be kind of making fun of it. So I don't know what the hell's going on. I think he's just a sadistic son of a bitch and he doesn't care about anybody but himself. <laughs> I think that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> he didn't care about his wife. Who cares Poor about Linda. her? Poor Linda. Such a casualty in all, all of the fuckery that Vince has done throughout all the years, whether whether on screen and 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 fake or or the real realness of it all. Yeah, Linda. Lash is always there for you, Linda. Mm. You always Linda. <laughs> all right, we go to Jamie Noble. He comes on his new uh, his fancy shirt, which does the sleeves cut off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, he's sure to tell us that the reason Nitty is not with him is not because she's mad that he's trying to sleep with Tori, but because she's just sick. Everything is all good. But and then he continues to go on and says he insists that Tori has a price. Maybe it'll be fifty thousand, maybe seventy-five thousand. Um, so he's still pushing this. Um, Billy comes to the ring as they're gonna have a match, and he's obviously pissed off. He comes in hot, um, starts beating the absolute shit out of Noble. He hits 
Billy, like, can, uh, especially when he's in there with a guy like Noble, he always pulls out some cool stuff. Like here, he did almost like a, like he pulled them up and it was almost like a float over brain buster. I don't know. It was sweet. That was oh, a, a yeah, the like arm drag into the suplex thing. Yeah. yeah. And then he just like, instead of suplex him, he just like dropped him on his head. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. That was the highlight for me for this one. Uh, Noble escapes. He starts chasing Tori around. But uh, that backfires as soon as he gets back in. I feel like he hit, um, he got hit with a black hole slam that Billy, Billy pulled out here. It looked very black hole slam ass. It was like mm-hmm. a, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he gets pretty much squashed here. So, uh, a star on this. This was really all about the, the post-match angle. Uh, any any thoughts on this before we uh, move on to that? No, like you said, Gunn pulled out some pretty sick stuff. So, um, he, he just beats Noble's ass in this. Noble gets a full few hope spots, of course, but it's mostly a squash just to kind of put over uh, how pissed off Gunn was that he keeps kind of propositioning his girlfriend, obviously. Um, but we'll get into the post-match and kind of where this goes for uh, vengeance. Billy Gunn with a guy like this who's like two feet shorter than him is just a thing to watch because like mm-hmm. all He's these suplexes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it looks like Noble's like eight feet in the air on these suplexes and shit. It's insane. Yeah. Like on that black hole slam deal, he just like swung him. It was yeah. sight to behold. But Noble recovers. He starts saying that he wants a rematch, and then Tori uh, comes in and says. She's, I don't know what was up with Tori, but I feel like she was talking with a lisp here. I don't know if there's something wrong with her lip or something, but it was odd. But she she says that if uh, if he beats Billy at the pay-per-view, she will sleep with him next week on SmackDown in the building. Uh, <laughs> Billy, not too thrilled with this. Um, I thought maybe it was going to, they would go the route of like, um, you know, if you win, you get to sleep with me. But if not, we get your inheritance or something. But I don't know. She didn't really make him put anything up for grabs. So pretty, I think Taz says it to He's like, pretty good deal for Noble here. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess she just gets the, uh, uh, the idea of watching him get his ass kicked by her man once again. But the, yeah, she, she doesn't really win anything in that situation, I guess, but hopefully she just seems super, super confident in, uh, Billy's abilities. Uh, in all facets, as, as she mentions. Um, but I, I haven't mentioned it yet, but Taz seems, uh, he seems kind of flustered tonight. I feel like he struggles with the uh, English language on quite a few uh, 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 kind of <laughs> scenarios throughout the night. I feel like he, he at, at multiple points, he like says a word and then he has to think about whether he said it right or not. Um, I, I don't have a specific uh, example or anything, but he he, he really struggles with the uh, English language on this episode of SmackDown. He, he walks a tightrope between <laughs> poetry and... Just uh, absolute nonsense. Right. And Cole um, doesn't let him get away with it either. He's constantly like, what did you just say? Right. Um, all right, so we go to this video package where it's about WWE invading the Far East, just about this. Um, they did an Asian tour, so they went to Japan and Thailand. Uh, th- now, what I read about this, which is interesting, is this was, even though he'd been in the company for a while, apparently this was like Kurt's first J- Japanese tour. And this was like a big deal in Japan because... You know, like, the, um, I think in Japanese wrestling, like, the legitimacy is a big deal. And yeah. Kurt being a gold medalist, I think they had a lot of respect for that. So I just read that this was, like, a big deal that for him and his first. And they, like, show him here, and he's wearing, like, the uh, the garb and stuff and kind of participating on it. It's just one of these high packages they do. But, yeah, from what I read, that was sort of the big hook of this. And it did pretty well. Like, the attendance was pretty high. Um, 
because they were excited because it was his first appearance there. So fun tidbit for you. Yeah, I was saying the guy like holds the sword up to him at one point. And he's like, "Oh, I hope you don't kill me." So I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, it was cool to see them uh, see see the videos of the, their little tour over there. So um, definitely seemed like a uh, uh, they had a fun time. Um, and I, I don't know that they do that that tour very often uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, with whatever the reason is but um definitely definitely an interesting market that i don't think that they touch as much as they probably should but there's probably reasons for that at the same time yeah it'd be cool if you could find like footage of these shows just to kind of get the vibe of what it was like see how see how stiff the matches were because it seems mm-hmm. to be their kind of style uh, over there a little bit right all right, so this is where um, the show really starts going all over the place. So we got <laughs> Prince Albert speaking to the APA about their barroom invitational thing. Um, they they give him an invite. Um, they also say that Doink's going to be there, the Easter Bunny's going to be there, which uh, Ron Simmons says he never was a fan of the Easter Bunny because something about he never came to the hood or something like that. Uh, and then Brooklyn Brawler appears out of nowhere, and he says he wants revenge on Doink. Um, they ask him why, and he starts going. It was something about a birthday party. And you're like, look, never mind. We don't need to hear the story. Um, <laughs> uh, but then they tell him if he wants to get an invite, he's going to have to prove himself. So just all over the place with the Easter Bunny and uh, Brooklyn Brawler, who we'll see again in a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you had told me going into this, I'd see Brooklyn Brawler twice. Uh, I wouldn't have believed you. And if you had told me that that was, in fact, the case, I would have called you insane. So, um Yep. <laughs> right. So continue on the, you know, this chaotic thing. We go to Cena, who we get like a pre-tape promo of him cutting the scathing rap, standing in a flaming pentagram, holding a torch, cutting a promo about The Undertaker, because that is his feud right now, even though he's mainly just been dicking around, interrupting people. But um, the line I like from this, he says something about like, I'll go Waco, like a branch Davidian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, he's like, um, he says something about Midian. He's like, he says, I'm not Midian. I'll go away, Waco on your ass, like a branch Davidian or something like that. Yeah, it was good though. I, I like the visual of him with the, in the pentagram thing. And, uh, I've kind of liked this whole, the build to this feud. It's been pretty low key. Like I like Taker being silent throughout the whole thing and just let Cena do his raps and shit. And, you know, piss on the grave and wrap it in a pentagram, like let him carry it um, and give him a chance to shine. And then you'll see Taker probably come at the pay-per-view piss. So I kind of like this as like a simple, straightforward uh, build. Yeah. And it, like, it's kind of like the tag title feud. There hasn't been too much just fate. I mean, they had an early face off to kind of, you know, put the idea of the feud in your mind. But once they made the match, it's been pretty much all seen. And like you said, to kind of, push it along himself and i think he's thriving in that role uh kind of building the matchup himself so good stuff yeah his his stock has risen considerably throughout three he's definitely one of the highlights of this whole year so far just to see his progression 100 percent. right we got eddie guerrero he comes down in his low rider uh he he He's uh he has to polish it off, <laughs> you know. Um, which remember that remember the polish here. He's got the spray wax. Uh, he cuts a promo on the long history between he and Benoit because of course they're going to be facing each other at the pay per view for the um, U.S. title. Benoit's music hits to um to cut him off. Benoit questions uh, the best friends claim because in the promo Eddie talks about how you know they've always been best friends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
And Benoit says he's not going to trick like Tajiri. We're not best friends. You're not going to use that against me or think I'm going to go soft on you. Eddie comes back at him and he says that Benoit, pretty much his whole thesis is that like Benoit's always been pushed above him. Like when they were in WCW, everybody said Benoit's the best. He's the best technical wrestler. Eddie's pretty good. Um, which I thought Eddie's fire made this whole promo. Like it was kind of okay, but then when he came, I like that he gave him the motivation and he kind of went away from the goofiness and got real serious and was, you know, and it, you know, you could see his argument because I don't think people truly until after WCW really started to appreciate. I think Benoit, when he's in WCW, people were already like in love with him and said he was the best and everything. I feel like Eddie, like what he's saying here, I think is true. Probably what there's a lot of truth to that perception. So I thought his fire here was fantastic. Um, Benoit just kind of comes back and says, well, why don't we do it now? And Eddie says, you know what? You're not going to call the shots. We're going to do it at the pay-per-view like we're supposed to. Um, they do end up uh, trading blows. Benoit gets the advantage until Eddie sprays them with the wax. So Chekhov's uh, spray wax here. Is, uh, he used it early on to wax his uh, low rider. And you're thinking it's nothing, but he ends up spraying them. And they, they treat it like it's like death too. Like incapacitates Benoit. <laughs> and of course, his uh, friend, the Rhino, comes to uh, to rescue him, which leads us to an impromptu match, which Rhino says something about. The only thing I have from Rhino is he said, uh, he tries to say cojones, but he says like, Cajonis, yeah. <laughs> like a fucking dork, <laughs> terrible. Um, but really good promo. I thought Eddie was real great here. Yeah, Eddie was really good here. He showed a lot of fire uh, once he once he kind of revealed that he was lying and, and, and he really hates Benoit. He's really he, he's it's a jealousy, but it's more of a it's a more of uh, a jealousy out of hatred more than it is like he he really doesn't think he's a, as good as Benoit. He he knows he is. Um, and he's going to prove uh, that to Benoit on on Sunday. Um, and yeah, Benoit selling the uh, the wax uh, like death uh, was very <laughs> hilarious because he's like, oh, I can't see, I can't see. And then Pepper the wax. Yeah. <laughs> and then as you 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 talked about, uh, Rhino comes out and acts like an absolute dweeb and calls him cajones or whatever the hell he ends up saying. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Eddie looked super good here, um, and that's another match that on paper is just like, seems like it's going to be a banger for sure, so looking forward to seeing Eddie and Benoit face off with each other. All right, so we go into this impromptu match, see if Rhino can defend the honor of his pal. Um, we get a long chin lock by the start, and um, he goes into a, a, no, actually Rhino hits a chin lock, and uh, Eddie gets out of it with a Northern Lights Uh which is pretty impressive on such a big guy. Um, it's it's interesting here because Eddie is definitely like in full tweener mode because his character is kind of heelish, but the crowd still loves him. And in the match here, he kind of works a little bit heelish, but then he is sort of the, like Rhino is kind of wearing him down and Eddie's sort of working the comeback. So it's an interesting kind of deal to have with Eddie right now, but it, it kind of works for him because it would be stupid to have him just be a pure heel because the crowd's too into him. It wouldn't make sense. Um mm-hmm. So it's kind of see like him wrestling like a face and the crowd being into him, but he's still kind of an asshole. But uh, I love this like uh, hair submission he does where he just holds on there. He stomps on Rhino's uh, hair and then pulls his arms. That was awesome. Just such shitty like, uh, (laughs) you know, dickish stuff. Good back and forth. Um, Like I said, Eddie's just locked in between the character and the in-ring stuff. It's kind of all flowing together for him. He ends up throwing the ref into the gore. The ref doesn't totally eat it, but um, 
It allows Eddie to hit a low blow. And his newest trick here is now when Rhino sells the low blow, Eddie sells it at the same time. So the ref just has no idea what to think about what just happened. And then so Rhino's sitting on the ground. He hits him with a vicious drop kick to the face while he's um he's sitting, rolls him up with the ropes and takes the win. So I ended up going three on this. I thought it was good. I thought the the way the match was worked was real smart. Like um letting Eddie kind of work like this tweener mode. I thought it worked really well on this. I like the, you know, just him pulling out another trick with the selling the low blow um to confuse the ref. So just good stuff. I'm just really digging what Eddie's doing lately. Yeah, Eddie Eddie's been on fire lately. Um and yeah, it, he never really said anything in his uh you know, other than attack of to jury, uh, that's the only real heel mm-hmm. thing he's done. He didn't say anything particularly like damning in the promo that he's had before mm-hmm. the match either. He really is just trying to build up the personal heat he has with Benoit. I mean, that he didn't say anything that should make the crowd hate him per se. So yeah, like he, you know, like you said, he's wrestling like a face uh, for most of this. And I think he does that effectively for sure. I think Rhino has been on a pretty good streak as well lately in the in ring, uh, but Guerrero has been on a great in ring and with the character stuff. So, um, this one had a lot of good hard hitting action back and forth. You know, these guys are probably uh, buddies backstage and, you know, can have a good match uh, anytime they go out there. Um, at one point, Rhino goes for the gore and the ref gets pulled in the way. And uh, knowing my hatred for uh, w- WWE or just wrestling referees in general, a sick part of me wanted to see uh, Rhino connect with that gore and take <laughs> old Brian Hebner out here. But uh, it did not happen. But uh, I, l- I love the Eddie uh, sell on the low blow that he hit. Uh, so uh, all- that always pops me whenever he does that kind of stuff. So, but yeah. Really, really solid match. Uh, I'd go probably two and a half on it. Yeah, in-ring's been pretty good on the show so far. The matches are hitting at a pretty good clip. All right, so we go to our next match, which is supposed to be the APA versus the FBI. Um, they Before we see that the APA have... Uh, <laughs> The APA have invited some servicemen to the bar brawl, but they're in the desert and they don't offer them any Gatorade, so... No, they, they invite Saddam Hussein as well. Uh, oh, great! So Adam, <laughs> along with Dwight the Clown, they want they want the soldier to de- uh, personally deliver that uh, little uh, piece of paper to Saddam Hussein to invite him. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> wait, so before this could even really get started, it breaks down. The Brooklyn Brawler comes out with a chair, just starts laying the APA out with the chairs. Then the Bashams come out and beat up the APA. Sean O'Hara is in here. He gets a super kick in. And they all just beat the piss out of the APA. So and that's it. That's the whole segment. Just, yeah, the show's kind of on meth with all this random stuff. But it, it is focused. I mean, this is to do with the pay-per-view. It's just, it's so, like, out of nowhere. Like, we think we have this FBI match. And instead, it's just them getting jumped by everybody they've invited. I was waiting for Doink to come and hit the fucking whoopee yeah. cushion on them. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I think I think JB or Bradshaw does hit like he absolutely creams. Uh, I think Stamboli with the uh, clothesline from hell. So that was uh, fun to see. But yeah, all the random assholes that they have invited to this barroom brawl have uh, come to attack him. No Spanky, Spanky didn't come out and attack him. But pretty much everybody else that they uh, have invited to this thing came out and uh, showed them what they might have to bring uh, come come Sunday. All right, so with that, we go backstage. Now we have Vince. Again, just like a thousand. It's not usually we get on SmackDown. It's more a Raw where you get a thousand segments, but this SmackDown has been kind of 
Um, again, not bad. It's just kind of a change of pace for them. But uh, Vince confronts that gal in the locker room. He says he's not going to attack him here. Um, you know, he thinks everybody has a lot of sympathy for Zach Gallon, but he doesn't have any. But when he destroys him on Sunday and leaves him a bloody pulp, then the people will really have a reason to be sympathetic towards him. Zach Gallon calls him a sorry excuse for a human, and it kind of looks like Vince is advancing on him until Brock and Kurt sneak up behind him and uh, kind of have Vince's, I mean, uh, Zach Gallon's back and cause Vince to cower. So just one little last, well, not one last, we'll see a bit in a minute, but just to remind us, since it hasn't been a huge focus on the show, the, I mean, we've gotten plenty. I think they've done enough to build it, but we haven't gotten a whole lot of Zach Gowan and Vince McMahon on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Vince uh, leaves with the idea that these, these three will, are going to need luck later. Um, he, he wishes them good luck and says that they're, mm. they're going to need it. So, uh, Obviously, leading to maybe think that somebody may get involved with this uh, main event match hmm. we have coming up. So, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right, let's get to it. Our main event's going to be a six-man. It's going to be Kurt, Gowan, and Brock versus World's Greatest Tag Team and The Big Show. Um, we start off with Angle against his former students like we did um, in the last handicap match. So, um, hard-hitting, of course. Um, super technical. Um Kirk kind of holding his own, even though they used the quick tags to kind of get an advantage on him. And um, Brock gets in, hits an insane belly to belly on Haas, just launching him across the ring. Uh, but Haas comes right back at him. I thought his drop kick was awesome. He kind of springboards off of Brock's chest, which was really great. Just like as I was watching this, I was like, all these guys are just so athletic and talented, like Kirk, Brock, um, Haas, Benjamin. They're just like freaks. Like, it's just insane to watch. And then Zach Gowan comes in. His bumps are just absolutely insane because he weighs like 150 pounds, and they are just tossing him all over the place. Like every time he takes any kind of bump, it seems like he's 12 feet in the air. Um, big Show ends up uh, getting tossed to the outside which for a big pop. And then like you alluded to, Logan, here comes Vince down while Zach Gowan's on the outside. He cracks him with a chair. And basically eliminates him from the match as the officials have to come in and escort him to the back because he can't continue, which leaves our faces um, in a bad position in a three-on-two. Brock goes into the post, and at this point, the match just starts breaking down the controlled chaos. Um, we get Big Show working a rare submission hold as he blocks in a half crab, which was out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, huge pop as we finally get a hot tag to Brock. He gets a suplex on show. I did think as we got towards this finishing stretch, I mean, this is a pretty long match. It goes, it felt like about 15 or 20 minutes, like pretty long for a TV match here. Uh, uh, but our finish, we get down to it. Brock inadvertently swings Haas into Kurt doing the F5. It seemed a little bit forced. Like it seemed yeah. a little unnatural the way he moved. Like he was like almost intentionally moving towards Kurt. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to blame him much. It's just, you know, that's a hard finish to make look natural because <laughs> you have to make sure everybody's in the exact right spot. But uh, anyway, um, that kind of leaves him at a disadvantage and Kurt ends up being choke slammed and ends up taking the pin on this. Brock cleans everybody out with a chair, but then he and um, Kurt start arguing over the miscommunication. Show recovers, double choke slams them. And then stands tall and does his big show, you know, pose at the end. So, again, they're doing everything they can to make us think that big show is any kind of legitimate threat to win the win the title here. But uh, 
yeah, I enjoyed this for the most part. Like, again, I think it maybe dragged a tad bit at the end, but I think for like a, a go home to hype the pay-per-view and have everybody involved. And then you got Vince in there to hype the Zach Gowan stuff. It was chaotic. I think in the best possible way, just to get you hyped up for the pay-per-view. And I thought it was pretty effective. So I went three and a quarter, another good match on this one. Yeah, I, I went three. Uh, I enjoyed it as well. Um, <laughs> my first note is uh, Gowan going against Big Show uh, and Big Show just throwing him around should be probably considered a hate crime of some kind. I feel like uh, he, he just he just throws <laughs> him around like a child. Um, Vince obviously is a bastard, comes out and smashes uh, Gowan's leg, kind of takes him out of the match. Um I will say in the last episode, I think we talked about, I, I, I insulted uh, World's Greatest Tag Team's little leap, leapfrog move on the ropes, uh, but they hit it with absolute perfection this time. Uh, you know, I, I feel like sometimes Shelton kind of gets caught up on Charlie's head. He's kind of leaped, leaped over, but he completely leapt over him this time and did great. So uh, they proved me wrong on that one. Um, Angle is the kind of face and peril is great throughout the match. Uh, Brock, gets, Brock gets the great hot tag, really comes in and wrecks shop, throws everybody around. Um, Brock hitting that vertical suplex on Big Show is just unbelievably sick, how he can so easily lift a man that's just absolutely huge. Um, I did not like the finish with the F5. I thought it was kind of hokey. And, you know, like you said, it's hard to pull off and not make that look forced, but uh, just do another finish in that case. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the match. Um, and, uh, yeah, the little brawl afterwards, obviously Kurt and, uh, Brock's bromance, uh, is, is no more as they kind of went out after each other. But, uh, I think something that gets buried a lot, uh, you know, the whole thing back in the day was Hogan must pose, but, uh, anytime big show is in the title program, Big Show must pose at after all of these SmackDowns. I feel like every time they do one of these, no matter whether he loses the match that he's in or not, <laughs> right. he always poses at the end. He always has to look strong. They have to make you believe that do somehow his, um, he's going to win. Like he's the he's the giant, but somehow they just have to cram down your throat that he stands a chance at all of winning these title matches, which he absolutely doesn't. So. Right. Got to lift his hand and spit all over the place. Like yeah. he, always does. <laughs> he has to slobber and spit everywhere. Like he always says. Okay. Yeah. And then on the commentary, they'd be like, look, big shows going in Dama. Yeah. Like, as we know in wrestling, whoever looks dominant going in always wins. Definitely mm-hmm. not. Exactly. exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was, I agree with you on the finish. 100%. But I think overall it was kind of, I, I thought the chaos was good. It usually, yeah, yeah. I thought for like a 15, 20 minute match, just kind of dragged a whole lot more than it did. Mm. Um, it helps when you have the guys that they had in there. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, but I ended up going six out of 10 on this. I thought the pacing of the show is all over the place. Like I said, there was a whole lot of segments. I find SmackDown usually um, is a little more, you know, I don't know how to say it, like economical with their segments, like they kind of move. So it was all over the place, but I thought there was a lot of good here and they did hype the pay-per-view as random as it did seem. Everything was for the most part, something to do with the pay-per-view. And it did like, I think I felt more hype for the pay-per-view at the end of this than I was before. So I would consider that, um, mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. And I'll give it the little bump. I'll give it six and a half out of 10 because I, I, spoiler alert, as we'll talk about in a minute, I do think it was better than Raw, just because it had a lot of great, a lot of more great in-ring action than, than Raw did. Even though 
they had a few good matches as well, but um, SmackDown usually wins the uh, in-ring department. But yeah, the, some of the segments were all over the place, but um, I, I think, like you said, they they provided some good hype for the pay-per-view and um, definitely looking forward to it a- after after watching the show for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's do some quick uh, not rewards awards, and then we'll um, we'll run down the card real quick just to see what we got coming. But uh, best match, I'm gonna go HBK and Jericho. Yeah, I would go with that as well. Uh, Kidman and Ray uh, versus Matt and uh, Shannon is definitely a second second uh, to that one though for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, best moment, I think. I think I'm probably gonna go. Goldberg coming out with Triple H just because that's going to start a pretty, you know, for better or for worse, like a big feud, at least one that's remembered a lot. I mean, I guess we can go with Linda, but I, I honestly didn't. I don't know if that's that memorable. I'm, I think I'm going to go with Goldberg coming out. Oh, the WWE superstar. No, I'm, just I'm not going to go with that. Um, yeah, I, I feel like you probably should go with the tombstone on Linda because it is probably the most memorable thing. But yeah. You know, giving Triple H a challenger finally some somebody that obviously is going after him. Uh, I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Go with Goldberg, uh, kind of confronting him. Brooklyn Brawler, huh? Yeah, him, him appearing twice is the uh, moment of the night for sure. <laughs> um, all right, let's say uh, best show. I think we both got SmackDown by a hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, just by a little bit. It's closer than it usually is, but um, yeah, SmackDown for sure. LVP, oh, I, man, it sucks because, I mean, I think we just didn't have a whole lot of cans here, but I think I'm going to go Gail. She, that was a rough showing for poor Gail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, as much as it hurts to say, I think she definitely, uh, she definitely struggled harder than she has in the past uh, and, and looked pretty bad in that match. So have to give it to her. MVP, I think I'm going to go Eddie on this one. MVP, um, yeah, yeah, I'll go with Eddie as well. Um, he, he was really good in that match and that promo before the match was uh, really good as well. So, um, he definitely impressed. Uh, Sean would be somebody else I'd probably throw in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, uh, he's he's def- uh, I think Eddie definitely won the night for sure. Yeah, I think besides MVP, there was quite a few like stand up before. I think Orton was good on these uh, yeah. on the show. Um, I think, uh, you know, Austin and, and, uh, Bischoff were both pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray and Kidman were great. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the people who wrestled on SmackDown were really awesome. Like Eddie was great. Um, Rhino, Rhino was even really good. Mm-hmm. I felt like, um, uh, and pretty Just much what? everybody in the main event. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Even Zach Gallon. They've been smart with Zach Gallon too. They haven't like. Oh, they haven't exposed him too much, you know, like yeah. he kind of gets in there, bumps around, hits a few drop kicks and they find some way to, you know, neutralize yep. him. Like he's not in there for an overly long period of time. So, yeah, we'll see how yeah. they how they do with him at the pay-per-view. I'm interested to see that match for sure. I was optimistic after this week, Logan. It made me feel like maybe we're going to SummerSlam and everything's going to be going to pick up a bit. We'll see what happens. <laughs> optimistic. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's run down this card real quick since our next episode will be Vengeance 2003. So we are going to get Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit for the uh, United U.S. Championship, Noble versus Billy Gunn. We will, of course, have the APA Invitational Barroom Brawl um, featuring Saddam Hussein. 
world's greatest tag team versus Kidman and Mysterio for the title. Sable versus Stephanie McMahon. Uh, Undertaker versus Cena. Mr. McMahon versus Zach Gowan. And, of course, the triple threat for the title with Brock Kurt and Big Show. So, you know, not a bad, doesn't look like a bad card on paper. There's a few, definitely a couple um, possible bangers on this show. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, the card definitely is stacking up, and you know, you wouldn't think that uh, like a Sable Stephanie match would excite you, but I kind of want to see them whip each other's ass, uh, at, like they have in their backstage brawls uh, so far. So I, I'm kind of low key looking forward to that one as well. Um, and I, I'm intrigued by the Vince uh, Gowan match for sure to see what it kind of can be. <laughs> right. Obviously, a the morbid, match. morbid curiosity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah morbid curiosity in both of those matches for sure. Um, but yeah, and the other stuff like in ring wise should be fantastic because mm. you know Big Show's in there with Brock and Angle, but there'll be Brock and Angle segments uh, th- that'll be really great in that one, uh, even if the Big Show kind of weighs some of it down. But that tag title match should be good, and mm-hmm. the U.S. title final should be really good. So definitely looking forward to it. Yes, we will see. So we'll be back in two weeks with that. Uh, Logan, what do you slash I have gone on podcast wise? <laughs> Uh, we are on linking up luchas, uh, talking about lucha underground. We are finally getting to the last couple of recordings before we get to the uh, season finale. So, um, definitely excited to continue to build towards our first Ultima Lucha. Um, definitely looking forward to watching that with you all. Um, then we got Highway to the Impact Zone and the Place Nation Wrestling feed. Uh, we're about to record the uh, Genesis 2006 episode, big pay per view with the first. Uh, match between Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. So definitely looking forward to checking that one out. Um, and then we have do uh, YouTube roulette. Um, we recorded an episode of that a few weeks ago uh, and it came out and uh, it was absolute insanity as always. Um, uh, it, it, if, Anything, uh, Schiff hosted that one. So if nothing excites you uh, about that show before that, just check in to see how uh, absurd it was with uh, Schiff hosting for sure. So, um, yeah, definitely check all those out. Beautiful. And, of course, check everything here on the North-South Connection. Um, Getting into WrestleMania season, so I'm sure there will be lots of cool content related to WrestleMania, including what we already have, which is um, series ranking Every single WrestleMania match ever, which mm-hmm. is preposterous. So, Ooh, and, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, go ahead, finish what you're gonna say. I just want to make a no, point. That was, I was just saying, like, yeah, I'm sure there'll be lots of interesting and uh, fun WrestleMania content, yeah. I, and I, I was, we, we've been meaning to mention this, and I, I forgot to mention it before this, but we actually have a, a member of our, our uh, place to be a nation family that uh, has been reviewing the uh, yes, C shows. Uh, along with us, I, his name is Matt Farrell. Uh, I don't know the website off the top of my head. I should have looked that up before we did this. But uh, if you want to read his article about the heats and velocities going on this time, I'm sure he'll share them with you. But I wanted to shout him out. We've been wanting to do that for a while, but we just keep forgetting. And it just keeps slipping our minds. But I wanted to shout that out before we uh, went home tonight for sure. Yes. Um, thank you. Um Yes, Matt, for doing those. It is the Ruthless C, as in Ruthless C-E, I'm sorry, C-E-E show. Um, and so, yeah, he's basically going along a timeline with us, God bless him, and doing the uh, the velocities and the heats and the, I'm assuming, jacked and all that good stuff. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so appreciate that. Um, I think we'll probably have him on 
to. We're, we're going to get with Matt and have him on for uh, a guest on this because uh, that is a sh- true sign of dedication here. More dedicated than, than I. So uh, thanks, Matt. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, we'll see you in a couple weeks for uh, Vengeance. Uh, see you later. Get me excited, you just